Bobby Talk Radio, the official podcast of the Mandalorian Mercs. We're a costume organization dedicated to charity efforts around the globe, attending events in Mandalorian armor we've built by hand. Here on the show, we'll keep you up to date with the latest fan community news. Visit our website at www.mandalorianmercs.com. Hello and welcome to this edition of Keldabi Talk Radio. I am your host, Crow. And with me on this episode is Jaren. Hello. Tucker. Hello there. Ikari. Greetings. And joining us for this edition, we have a very special guest with us. We have Mandalore the Uniter himself. How's it going? Excellent. It's going really good. It's nice to be back. Uh, took a bit of a break for all of the reasons, uh, so it's great to be back doing this again. Um, we will lead right off into this with some club announcements. So, Hikari, what do we have going on? Uh, just a couple of points to mention this month. Uh, so the PR officer has just this week, at time of recording, uh, released the new official member trading cards. It's been a little while since we've all had them, so they're in hot demand right now. Uh, so head on over to the announcement section of the forum for the details of where to go. And with the introduction of the new Rally Master position that we'll get into in a little while, uh, there's a MMCC events discord that has been created uh, to support some international uh, events, calls, presentations. There are some rules, rules surrounding that on when it is and isn't active, but again, for the details, it's all in the announcement section with the links. So, following on with a little bit of club news, uh, I just want to personally thank everyone that helped at Star Wars Celebration. It was a few thousand miles away for us, but we certainly enjoyed all of the content that was being shared online. And uh, Tom, as, as boots on the ground, how, how did you find it? Oh, gosh. Well, it was the first... I would say major like big show that I have been at since uh, 2019. So it was, it was great, but it was so much. I mean, it was, it was so much um, just, it was a lot packed into four days. There was uh, you know, there were a whole lot of um, great panels. Uh, The, the whole fan fan uh, group costume group area was just phenomenal. Everybody worked together. It was, it was actually part of the uh, starwars.com stage set. So uh, it was kind of a first in those regards. Um, but, yeah, a lot of hard work. Um, saw a lot of members, and, and we just had a really good time. I think it went off uh, really, really well. A lot of good, uh, a lot of cool reveals in some of the panels, too. So looking forward to some of that content coming out. In, in, indeed. I, I have heard about a few of those, and later on in this episode, I think we'll, we'll sit down and start breaking down a bit more some of those panels. I will yeah, say I I was not at a celebration, but I really appreciated. Um, I think it was like Wednesday night, Thursday night. Uh, I actually got a message from the Mandalore asking where I was and if I was coming to dinner because uh, I had a ticket. Um, so I want to thank you guys for thinking of me, even though I wasn't there. <laughs> hey, absolutely, absolutely. We wish you were. We wish you had been there. You would have enjoyed it. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I've I've never not enjoyed a celebration um and yeah like <laughs> being around all of the mercs is definitely a favorite part of the whole thing so 
and I had another convention to go to, and I'm feeling cheap, so that's that's why I couldn't make it. That's fair. <laughs> Cost effective eventing, I believe that's that's classed as. Ooh, I like that. I'm going to use that instead from now on. <laughs> I'm not being cheap. I'm practicing cost-effective eventing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think now's a good good opportunity to say each month with a podcast we're aiming for uh, a slightly new format and having a, our major talking and discussion point. And this year, uh, this month even, having Tom on the podcast with us. This year, as I understand it, is the 15th anniversary of the club itself. Uh, yes. Uh, actually, um, f- the Friday of celebration was the uh, 15th anniversary of the very first troop, the very first wow. invasion, uh, which actually worked out. It actually worked out better with celebration, uh, you know, uh, missing uh, a, a year than uh, or, or actually, I guess, two years. Uh, then if we had of uh, if they had went ahead and, and uh, no it was it was a year yeah because it was 2021 had they done it in 2021 it would have been our 14th and it would have been far after that birthday but um, this was literally right on the birthday of of MMCC so that was uh, that was really cool uh, it was really neat to be able to uh, you know to to kind of celebrate uh, such a great milestone at such a great um event so that was it was just it worked out perfectly you know i couldn't have asked for i mean i'm, I'm sure i could have asked for for uh for something i could have asked for no covid but uh you know i mean you know unfortunately that's beyond my above my pay grade so um you know otherwise it was a great birthday everybody had a great time and uh, yeah it was, it was just perfect so what, what was the first route tom the first troop was at AdventureCon in Knoxville, Tennessee, on Memorial Day weekend of 2007. It was the first time that uh, I got to meet Jeremy Bullock too, and quite a few of the uh, quite a few of the stars. They were there for that, and and got to uh, and came and got pictures with us on our very first uh, invasion. And that was uh, ironically it was also the Dark Empire's first event. So, and we met them there at the same time. I hadn't realised the Dark Empire was that old as a club. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say in the UK, they, they definitely have a smaller presence here than possibly elsewhere. Yes. I, I believe it's one member in the UK, or at least it was a couple of years ago. Yeah, that happened. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's all about the whole niche thing. You know, we were we were mm. a niche of a niche until 2019, so now we're uh, now we're you know we've become somewhat mainstream. So that uh, you know those things can always change depending on what the the powers that be do with the franchise. So that is very true. I had a question on that. How do you, as someone who's been here since the start, like I've been here a while, but you've been here, you know, first. Like when the Mandalorian came out, like. How do you think that really affected the club as a whole once we did get mainstream, as you said? Um, I mean, I think it I think it affected us quite a bit because they started using I mean, Lucasfilm started using us in more like um, they started using us in more material as far as not so much the actual productions, but more like 
you know, when they do like the, the behind the scenes specials and when they do the, the adverts and online and, and things of that nature, uh, they started using us, you know, like pictures and, and uh, footage they've had of us at different conventions more. But it also, um, it also, you know, it also raised awareness of what Mandalorians as characters are in Star Wars with the general public. I think, you know, pre or pre 2019, while more people were calling us Mandalorians because of uh, Rebels and because of the Clone Wars, you know, we spent a lot of years being Power Rangers for the most part. <laughs> you know, or we were so, all Boba Fett. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or well, yeah, or we were all Boba Fett or Django Fett, but mostly yeah. Boba Fett. So it really helped us in that regard, um, you know, kind of define what the character of a Mandalorian is. And the fact that they use so much established, you know, Dave really loves the established lore. You know, he's always said that he enjoyed the work that Karen Travis had done and and various other authors that, you know, came before um, Clone Wars came out with, with the new Mandalorians and everything. Um, and he really wanted to capture as much of that as he could without, you know, without trying to, to step all over George's work either. So I like, you know, I think the fact that he was able to, to um, merge those things really brought some of the fans back that had that we kind of lost because of the pacifist, you know, the new Mandalorian uh, thing. There was, a whole, you know, when that all happened, that was a whole huge, you know, issue with with the fans, with with a lot of the fans. So I think I just think that it really kind of blended two worlds together almost seamlessly. So it, it really helped. There is benefit to having Death Watch around. Yeah, as it, as it turns out. <laughs> I don't I don't know how you found it up in Wampa territory, Crow, but I I definitely say our first major event for the Vokchi after the Mandalorian season had started. Um, we we generally get a good turnout at the table anyway, but it was like nothing I'd experienced before. Um, I think that's the most socially tired i have felt after a con <laughs> since joining the club it it was it was full on i i actually have to think it was it was for me it was when we went to the rise of skywalker premiere because technically the mandalorian hadn't been released in the uk at the time technically and 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 and, and we as a, a as club members were representing at the premiere but we were in suits or the ladies in dresses, uh, carrying our helmets down the red carpet. So we weren't in armour, but we were just walking through with buckets underhand. And people were going, oh, are they cast? Are they in the Mandalorian? <laughs> oh, that's, just like, <laughs> that's excellent. That's, that, 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 was, that was, for me, that was just sort of crowning glory a little bit for oh, us yeah. as a club. Um, and to think that actually, yeah, we could be there on screen, or at least that's what the punters were thinking. And it was great. It was fantastic. It really uh, helps, uh, you know, it gives validity to what we're doing. It helps to kind of validate it when you see and, and you get that fan reaction like that, you know, when you finally start to get that and you're not just Boba Fett or you're not just a, a Red Ranger. Um, mm. You know, it really does. It really starts to add a lot of validation to what we do and what what everybody has done that's that's come, you know, before us and, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I'd, I'd agree. Same, like up here, I also saw that shift when kids started watching the Clone Wars and whatnot. I definitely 
before the Mandalorian came out, I definitely remember a dad pointing to us at a free comic book day or something like that and saying, hey, look, it's Boba Fett's. Um, and the the little kid looking up at their dad and saying, no, dad, those are Mandalorians. And I was just like, oh, you, you're getting a picture right now. Like, come here. Yeah. <laughs> we, we had that an event back in March. We had exactly the same thing this March. We did Megacon in the UK, first first UK event for Megacon, uh, different company from Florida Megacon. Um, but, uh, yeah, we had that in March. We had l- loads of parents. Oh, look, it's Boba or it's Django. It's like, no. The, the kids just look at them and go, no, no, get it right, Dad. They're Mandalorians. They're part of the covert. And it's like, yeah. Come here. Would you like to try on some armor and a helmet? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah have a blaster. Yeah, exactly. Let's get a exactly. picture, kid. We were at a Christmas parade after the Mandalorian came out. And yeah, I noticed the big change was like, instead of everyone asking us, where's Boba? Where's Django? They were asking us, where's Grogu? You know, where's the child? Where's, and like these people who had, and I mean, we'd always been popular at parades and things. We look awesome naturally, but like actually seeing a much more of the crowd actually looking and pointing and taking pictures instead of like, all right, who are these weirdos in spaceman armor? turned into oh the guys from that show are here awesome yeah and that always brings a smile to your face oh yeah absolutely yeah i, I can only imagine the the pride you feel at this point tom 15 years in because just listening to the guys here talk and their stories makes me feel proud and i'm only six years in um yeah so to have been there from the beginning I'd, i guess you saw quite slow but steady growth early on yeah, I mean, it was it was it was definitely slow going to begin with, you know, because we were such a niche and so small. And um, there, you know, one of the things we had going for us was that the 501st had just, I believe, the year before had just gotten rid of all of the non-canon costumes from their membership. What they basically called the, you know, the the people in, from that time. Uh, we'll know it as called, you know, the the purge, which is, and that's actually ironic, but it's true. And most of those, uh, most of those costumes were like, you know, co- custom Boba Fett, you know, Mandalorian costumes. And, um, you know, we captured quite a few of those uh, because we were, you know, we we were new, but uh, I, I was pretty energetic about trying to go out and. When I saw somebody in a in a costume, I'd try to go, you know, talk to them. Uh, we were on several several forms. We were on the dented helmet. Uh, we were on heroes, villains, and Mandalorians, which was another old uh, forum uh, where a lot of uh, the custom Mando costumers sort of congregated. And you know, that was kind of you know, you needed that that energy just had to be there to pull people together and say, hey, let's let's try this. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But I think we can make it work. And um, just yeah, that's that's pretty much how it went. And and once it started going, and once we started getting like more more members out there doing events, it that's when it really started to take off. When when more people locally saw us at events, that got them interested in wanting to do it. And that's you know that was sort of the that was the catalyst, the real catalyst that got it going. Um, so yeah, I mean, definitely pride is, is, uh, I would say is 
the the least of the descriptive emotions I could probably <laughs> just describe how I feel about it. Um, you know, so yeah, it's it's just just watching it mature over the last fifteen years. It's just and what we do and and the people and and the amount of help that we give to you know to kids and families and that kind of thing. It's just amazing that this came out of my brain, my little brain. <laughs> so so how many of you were there at the first troop? There were three of us in armor and and then my wife was with us. She was not she was in sort of a Sith smuggler type deal. Mm-hmm. But there were only three of us in armor at the very first troop. So to go from three members 15 years ago so what are we? We're just coming up 2700, 2800 members yeah, getting in armor. Yeah, getting close to 3000, yep. Yeah. <laughs> that's some growth it's a lot absolutely yeah. 71 clans if i remember correctly I was, especially, I was going through the uh, sigils last night especially when you consider that we really didn't get we really didn't get i would say you know uh, famous famous until the mandalorian came out in 2019 mm. So, I mean, we were well-known and we were large. We were still, you know, the third largest costume club and we were still doing a lot of stuff with Lucasfilm and that kind of thing. But as far as like um, having that that renowned, you know, we were still very niche. But, but you know, when Mandalorian came out, that, that really helped. Now, it didn't help that COVID came out right after and we weren't able to troop as much as we weren't able to do any trooping during that time. No, so absolutely. we kind of, you know, we I, I feel like we... We kind of lost out a little bit in capturing that that early magic from from the Mandalorian. Um, in that we didn't get to troop events, so people didn't get to see us out there, and and we didn't get to do um, we just didn't get to do anything right when the height of that initial kickoff was at, and that that didn't help. I mean, it didn't really hurt us, but without being able to capture that. You know, it was just kind of a. It's like, oh man, you know, we kind of missed out on that, but it was out of our out of our hands. There was nothing we could do about it. No, absolutely. I mean, when you say it didn't hurt us, I'd have to agree. As as a clan, I think we cleared twelve members over the period of the first two lockdowns in the UK. So we 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 cleared, we we converted twelve of our foundlings into OMs in that period, and that's that's the biggest number we've cleared in a few years. So that the the show certainly helped. I, I I think one or two of our members that we we could pick out as well approached nearly eighteen to twenty months of official membership before mm. walking out to their first troop in armor. Yeah, absolutely. Been, I, yeah. Remember, I remember remember taking out um, Talish and uh, Curry for their first troop, and it would almost be a year ago now. Um. Yeah, give it give it a month or two, and it'll be a year since their first troop. Um, and we'd known them online for well over a year, and uh, yeah, it, it took that long just to get to meet people again, Jeez. and to see people for the first time in armor is always always a nice moment. Oh yeah, I mean it brought a few fair problems as well. I I cleared my third kit just as lockdown started. And then by the time I got out to actually do my first troop since COVID, it no longer fit. <laughs> I yeah. can relate to that. I think so we can all I. can. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Put on that COVID twenty. Oh yeah. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> although, although I have to say, I've done four events in the UK now. So three at the back end of last year and one this year, and I've lost half of what I put on. So I'm happy. That's great. I put my new set of armor on for pre-app photos today, and I think it might need a little bit of reforming from when we originally shaped it. <laughs> yeah, that's. I can confirm. I ran into the same thing. the The set of armor that I am just now putting into pre app, I formed and shaped about two years ago. Yeah. Um. And I mean, even without COVID, two years is a long time for the human body. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Especially once you get over a certain age. Once you get over forty, two years, two years comes on in about six months. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, Tom, one one thing that you mentioned a little while back was the the forums that you were present on. Sure. I understand that we had a time that predates our forums, and, and whilst our forums are great to go back to a point, uh, I, I believe even in the UK we had members that aren't actually on the forums at all because they they existed before then. So, have, have you got any stories that you can sort of let people know how it was in the early days and, oh, wow. and where you really were representing before then? So we had so Merck's had the forum as it exists now was not the original forum if that if that's what we're talking about um, we had we had a forum that kind of went belly up oh gosh it wasn't actually it actually wasn't long after we launched that and the first website and of course I went into a you know I'm I'm went into full blown panic mode it's like oh my gosh we've only been up like you know six months and now the forum's dead and everybody's going to lose interest now. And it's like, I got to get this thing up. And, um, that was back when, when we had, when the communications officer was known as the comms officer communication was the, the CTO was the comms officer back then. And, and, uh, John was not, I mean, he was, you know, he wasn't really technically, he wasn't a programmer by any means and neither, neither was I, I mean, I'm in it, but I'm in more of hardware it. Um, so yeah, but we got it back up. We didn't really lose anything, but we lost, you know, we lost about a year's worth of, of forum. Um, the first, I know the, the first UK members were Stu and, um, oh gosh, what is his name? Were the camouflage Mando. You guys probably never met him. Yeah, probably um, not. I mean, no. back, back then camouflage was not, you know. Was it wasn't the rules yet. Yes. Well, so back in the, yeah, back in the, like the original, I would say in the first year of MMCC, we did not have CRLs. We actually didn't start having CRLs till probably, uh, I would say around summer of 2008 is when we first started having, this is when we first had CRLs mm -hmm. almost, yeah, a little, about a year afterward. And, um, and they were still oh, quite generous. Yeah. It was ex <laughs> oh yeah, it was a very the goalposts were you know like tens of miles apart you know as far as like what you could do. So um, back in the original you know in fact one of the the earliest uh, first members was another uh, uh, Vogchi member uh, who goes by Brisk Arper was his Mando name. I don't know yep. if you got you may or may not have met him before. Yeah, I met him. Yep. Yeah, and I've, I've I've taken him down a few times in his Jedi role. Well, he he actually he joined Mercs with nothing more than a um, a chest plate, a helmet, 
he had chest plates, you know, and a helmet and uh, hand wraps and ankle wraps. And that was it. Like no, nothing below the belt, no gauntlets, nothing. I mean, it was, that's, that's what we, you know, that's what we allowed back then. And, um, you know, it's just, just looking back over those, over those years to see how that's changed. I mean, you know, people say that we're probably the most difficult club to get into as far as costumes. And, you know, sometimes I feel bad about that. Sometimes I feel good about that. Sometimes I'm neutral about it. I think that, you know, I think that that's if, you know, if that pushes people to want to do the best that they can do, um, then that's great. We don't, you know, I always pride myself in saying we don't deny people entrance. It's people that deny themselves entrance. Um, so, you know, we've, we've definitely matured, I would say, in, in those regards. Um, but yeah, the original Vok Chi members were, you know, Stu and, and Valdar was his, was I, his bando name. i looking at our roster in the background while, while you've been discussing, Tom. And yeah, there's a, there's a gent called Valkar, Jason. Valkar. Yeah, Jason. Yep, yep. And they yeah, were the by, first by the two. Of it, there were four, four members, all with member IDs under 100 in the UK. Scott, Steve, Jason and Colin. It appears they've got a few photos together from very early troops. And like yourself, yes. first, first troops out got, got the pleasure of meeting Jeremy. Yeah, they actually got to, uh, they actually represented us at the very first celebration in Europe that was in uh, London. Now, we didn't have a table. 2007, yeah. Yeah, we didn't have a table, but they were kitted up. And they went and they had a big banner. Uh, Valcard made a big, a huge banner, and they carried that around. And and you know, um, that's kind of how the juices got going over there. Really, was was those guys, you know? And uh, yeah, I mean, I I you know, I miss them all. And I I see Stu on on you know, I've seen him on Facebook, and we've talked now and then. And hopefully, hopefully at Celebration London, I'll get to see him again because I you know, I miss the guy. It's nice to see those old, you know, the old members, the original members still around, you know, it's, you don't see many of them anymore. Uh, yeah. Up, up until, up until I think this, this past year, correct me if I'm wrong, Simon. Um, uh, we've, we've had a member of our clan, Chris, I think she's, she's got a, an OM numbered in like the two hundreds. So still very early doors and she's still active right up until now. And yeah. 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 It's it's great to see members who have stuck it out this long because it, it shows to the people coming through the door there's a reason to stay. Absolutely, uh, there's also, a legacy there. There is a legacy, and I and I like the fact that we have these members showing. Kit kits are always an organically evolving thing. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I can. So I, can I, agree I do with feel that. like it gives a, a good morale booster to, to new people through the door to see, even someone 10, 12 years in is still making new things and upgrades and changes. Well, it shows that they still have the passion, you know, that they still have that passion to want to, to want to build costumes and to want to still be a member. And I think that is, that is something that is important is to be able to keep that passion Uh, because it can be difficult sometimes depending on what life circumstances are. So yeah, last, last time I saw Chris, she had kits four and five in play and she was upgrading kits one, two, and three. Um, so it's very much it maintenance mode on existing kits and still designing, still building. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, I will say, too, that at uh, Celebration at Rancho Obi-Wan, they, they actually had uh, Remo's helmet on display. Oh, nice. um, yeah, so yeah, that I was... Yeah, that. 
it was yeah that was uh that was a really powerful moment because I actually got to see it when I was out there in 2017, but I didn't realize they were going to bring it until probably about a month before celebration. And they reached out to me because, um, you know, they didn't really have, I mean, Steve kind of knew about it, but he, he didn't really have it written down, like, you know, the story behind it. And so I, I you know, I related the story to them and, and that's what they put on the, the card. So it was, it was nice to see that. To see the, you know, it was a touching moment for the clan to be represented in that way as well, and to know that it's in the Rancho Obi Wan Museum is is yeah, it's history there forever. Yeah, it's pretty much there forever. Yeah, I I I was one of the members that actually never got to meet Chris, Um, but his his legacy lives on. I never got to meet Chris. We only spoke a few times, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. I never got to physically meet Chris, but you know the 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 time that I knew him was so impactful and he made such a he was such a huge presence um in the club and you know i think the fact that he's remembered even to this day um the way he you know pretty much venerated in some ways um i think that that just goes to show how much of an impact a member can have on the Mm -hmm. club and you know it's just great to be able to to know that we can do that for our members and and remember them in that way. Well, I think I think over the years we've had some members that have been really impactful. Um, I just want to add in quickly for listeners the the two Chris's mentioned in in the last few discussions are two separate Chris's. <laughs> yes, yes, Chris with a K and uh, Chris with a C. Chris with a C being Remo. Yeah. So we, we talk about members that have had a lasting effect on the club and we, we look at the club's history. Um, I, I think Remo's a shining example of that uh, to the extent of uh, actually having a, it's not necessarily a, a, a brigade, but a um, a brigade profession named after himself. He also has part of the war college named after him. Absolutely. That is, that is very true. Um, so, Anyone that's in the current Vanguard division as 267th Rapid Assault um, carries a legacy of Remo with them uh, after his OM number. Because mm, that was originally Remo's Raiders, was it not? It was, yeah. It was the, yeah. the semi-official nickname. Mm-hmm. And the, and the Jad Halls of Knowledge. Yep. Yeah, and even even more anecdotally than that is what I've, what or at least the way I've heard it, is the Remo lean. Yes, <laughs> Remo lean. Yep, yes, yeah. it's, it's just a. It's it's natural to stand that way. I don't know. I don't know why. It it just is. <laughs> it, it, it it was quite nice to see when um when the main club Facebook page posted the 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 story with um Remo's bucket at Rancho Obi Wan. That actually a lot of the comments down below were everybody performing the Remo lean. And, That's uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's it it's definitely a legacy. A but you interesting know, one. If you think about it too, I, I will say that Vok Chi Clan has actually helped. Um, they've actually probably been one of the most impactful clans on Mercs because three of of well two. Uh, council members came from from Vakchi clan. And you got the the first PR officer was Zaz. He was Vakchi clan. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And then you had Remo, who was our third p- uh, personnel officer, was in Vokchi clan. And yep. then as far as the cabinet goes, Nick, you know, was in Vokchi clan. So um, I'd say... And we also had Ken, who served as a that's right. conclave minister as well. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Conclave yeah, minister be- and is the EURC. So mm-hmm. he was the second EURC, the first the first elected EURC. Before him, it was Stu. Stu was the first EURC. So... Wow, it's so like it's I feel sweet. like I'm flashbacking now. All these little—I hear the. No, I, 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 I think, like, it's like playing Kevin Bacon, you know. It's like this person was here and that person's connected here, and blah, blah, you know. Because of course, it, yeah, it's the club's fifteenth anniversary, but we were Vokchi were the fifth clan to form. So yeah, it's our, our clan anniversary is October, if I remember correctly. Yep, yep. So fifth clan and first European clan. Yep. Yeah. Yes, it's a fifteenth anniversary for the club this year, and next year's our clan fifteenth anniversary. No, no, this in October this year. Oh. We're we're really that soon. My yeah. mistake. I thought I thought we were year one rather than year zero. No, you guys would have had to have been because because um because of Celebration London of that year. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that first, you're right. Well, Celebration yeah. Europe of that year, I should say. Mm. Yep. I. I honestly don't know how old Wampa is. I know Wampa's one of the older clans, but I honestly I don't know how like how early Wampa was. Let me let me dig through the archives a little bit after this crow and I'll I'll get with Tom. Um I I know that there is an early timeline floating about. because <laughs> um, I'm I'm sure many people in the older clans are, are interested to know when they formed. Yeah. I want to say Wampa clanned up not long after Abby joined because there was just enough people at that point to. Yeah, we that was back when Wampa clan covered most of New England. Uh, we yep. we still counted Massachusetts and Connecticut and such uh, way back then. Um, I remember when Faraxon clan was formed when they split. Uh, I think I was one of the members that joined like right around the time that that happened, um, and that was still. 10, 11 years ago. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think, I want to say, I think Wampa Clan happened around, uh, it was either right at 2012, it would have been around celebrations, it would have been right around, I think, I think it was between celebration six and, and uh, Orlando, or, or and the first Anaheim. So I think 2013. Oh, it was before that, because I've been, okay. I've been a member since 2010. Uh, and Wampa was already around when I when I joined. Okay, so yeah, okay, maybe twenty nineteen or twenty nine, twenty two thousand nine, somewhere in there. Some somewhere like that. We old. Yeah, that's the that's yeah. The you guys are old. Story. Absolutely. <laughs> you guys are old, no doubt. Think, Most of the yeah, East Coast actually, clans, I would say, the East Coast clans are the oldest. East Coast U.S. clans are the oldest clans in Merks. Yeah, Most of them are are the East Coast clans. With California yeah, being sorry. on up there too, so I was just having a look in the Verilor chambers quickly and uh, looking at the the art team to see who they've got in for fifteenth anniversary patches, uh, and the only one I can see at the moment is Talon Clan, which obviously makes sense yeah. with with that being your home clan. Yeah, yeah, the Talon was yeah before before we actually had well, before I was a Mandalore, I was the Alarad of Talon Clan. Mm-hmm. So Talon Clan was the first clan, and then Falco Clan was the second clan. There you go. 
Falco Verilor needs to get online and start getting 15 Yeah, they need to get their done. stuff together. Absolutely. <laughs> and they may well have done. It's just the ones that I can see are, as, as, that are open. But, um... <laughs> That's true. I got to get ready for that. I think, actually, trying to think about this right now, I think currently... Uh... Oh, bugger. I am actually... I think myself and Ark are the two longest-serving members of Wampa Clan currently everybody else has retired or moved to a different clan. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, we've got, so we've got Talon that were the first clan. Any idea who is the newest clan, Tom? Is it Gatkabur over in Sweden or did uh, you get one down Kashyyyk. in Colombia? Kashyyyk clan in, in Colombia, yeah. Columbia. And we're, okay. we're actually, I think we might be one member away from uh, having a new clan in Nevada. Well, it would it, uh, basically the resurrect. I don't think they're resurrecting the old clan, which was Vornsker, mm-hmm. but I think there, there's enough people out. There's enough new members out there to clan up into a new clan. So we're about to have a new clan there. That'd be fantastic to see. That's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'm I'll actually so surprised. No, they've got another pack flag to paint for celebration. Later. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they're going to have one. And I'm actually super surprised that we had two clans formed during COVID. I mean. With Sweden and Colombia, I mean that was, you know, we had we had Virginia, we had the Western, not West Virginia, but Western Virginia. Those guys clanned up in 2019, mm-hmm. and then Sweden and and uh, Colombia both last year. Yeah, I mean that was huge for. I mean that's huge for us for for COVID like that. The fact that we got. Okay two clans during COVID when people were, and then maybe it makes sense because people were locked down and they didn't have anything else to do. And they worked on armor. I mean, it was a great time to work on armor. No doubt about it. I pumped out, like I did six commissions in the span of, of, of COVID, maybe seven commissions in the span of COVID. So, um, yeah, it was a great time to, to, to work on armor. So, so that was the plus, but the fact that we had, you know, we got two new clans like that was just phenomenal. And we've got uh, we've got a new stronghold in Venezuela, which was which is also extremely. I mean, that, I was like, wow, we we've got people in Venezuela. Um, we were we were very close um, to having a clan in Costa Rica, and we may still be pretty close. I think we're maybe two or three members away there. So, um. Yeah, I mean, we're we're growing still, you know, we're growing like weeds. Yeah, I know in Europe we picked up, a, a, I think, two or three strongholds over the period. Yeah, um, yep. As, yep. As, as well as obviously having Garkabur, um transfer over to clan status, which was, that was, that was, that was a nice one to follow along. I was on the clan command, uh, region command team at the time as well. So uh, always nice to, to see that happen. That's actually one of the conversations in the, the, uh, the command council right now is how can we better support strongholds and and how can mm-hmm. we you know better um, push them to uh, to getting to that clan status like what what resources do they need so that's a you know that's it's growth is always an ongoing um, conversation with with anybody that's that's in a command you know, in a, in an international command position growth is always um, the main in my opinion. The main conversation is growth. The second, the second main com- conversation is how do we support our members, mm-hmm. and you know those are those are the important, those are the important things. Because if you don't grow, you won't survive. And if you can't support your members, 
you don't have anybody there that, that hangs around. So, you know, it's these are always evolving questions, and 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 I call them practices because you can't. I don't think there's there's any way to master either one of those two things. You just keep working at it. Yeah, the only the only easy day was yesterday. <laughs> Speaking of evolution, there, Tom, especially as we talk about the newer clans. Um, since we last recorded, and our listeners would have known, there's, there's been a bit of a restructuring at the, the top of the club, an introduction of a few new positions. Yes. So I guess we can talk about that real quick. It's actually been quite a quite a huge restructuring. Um, so what we did uh, last year was it was actually – I actually worked on it through 2020 and 2021 – was um, we broke apart, we, we took the management and separated that from the governance of the club. So the command council as it used to exist was uh, comprised of myself and then basically the department heads, the, uh, the, the, the members who uh, run the different admin teams um, in, the, in the club and, and that kind of stuff, the, the people that do the day-to-day work, the, the day-to-day management. Uh, that's who the command council comprised of. Well, for the most part, you know, they 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 wanted to do their jobs as managers, but I think that it got to the point where they were just they just wanted to focus on that. They were less interested in the management. And I personally myself felt like the club was at a point where we needed to start introducing some sort of elected um elected officials that were member elected. Um, and I, I didn't really want that to hinder the work of those officers over the admin teams because those those members are specialists. Like this is, for the most part, that is their, their professional real-life specialties. And that's not something that you can just elect people to do. You know, that's not, that's not something that a popular election is often going to fill well. So – um, so we, that's what we did. We broke the management off of uh, off of the governance, and the governance became a um, a half elect, elected, half appointed um, body, which retained the International Command Council name. But they they take care of dealing with the big the big things. Um, they they look after basically the help with the direction of the club. They're not so much in the you know the day to day. They don't really do anything other than um, other than the exchequer, who's the treasurer, the uh, archivist, who is the uh, the board secretary, and then the prime minister, who's uh, who's basically the vice chair. You know, they're still doing they do day to day work, and myself. Uh, but then the rest of the um, ICC are basically just chairman of various committees. Um, within the within the um, MMCC, so we did that, and that uh, that really helped a lot because it it allowed the the cabinet officers who were the previous council officers, it allowed them to concentrate solely on on doing their, uh, you know, on their roles and getting their jobs done and and managing their teams, and it put the big items that needed to act, that required a vote um, into the hands of the ICC, and it's really turned out to work. I would say really well. It's probably better than I thought. Um, and it allowed us to, uh, you know, we have a lot of meetings now as far as like the cabinet has a monthly meeting. The ICC has a quarterly meeting. Um, so, you know, we're, we're very on top of what's going on. And it's just an easier way, I think, for the club to be able to grow. And it keeps the ship in a certain direction. I still, I still 
you know, I still point the way, but there's people there to help steer it. And I think that's important because, you know, it's like I tell people, I'm not going to be here forever. You know, I, I, it's just, you know, unfortunately, I can't live forever. Um, and nor do I want to. And, <laughs> and I have to prepare Merck's for that as well, for the eventuality. And this is, this is the, the preparation for that, for when that time comes. There is a body that, you know, there'll still be a Mandalore. But there is a body, too, of elected members that, you know, that really that's and that's really what the club needs at certain levels. So as long as we don't have to fight you for it. No, no, no fighting me for it. Hey, <laughs> trust me, when I'm ready to go, I'm, I will totally be dinned to jarring with that with that dark saber. I'll, I'll give it to the next person. So I, I think an important point to stress there, Tom, that you've highlighted is that excluding yourself, half of the ICC now are elected directly by the members. Yes. They're there to represent the members. And I, I, I trust everyone at ICC has the club's best intentions at heart, but it's, it's really to have a, a conduit, if you will, for official members to know that they have got nominated representation. Absolutely. By their own choice at that level, looking over club interests. So if you want to look at, at who the minister or, or what the ministers actually comprise are comprised of, technically the majority of the ICC is an elected minister. So the prime minister is elected by the regions, um, and the regions are elected by the Allared. So technically four of the seven ICC members are elected members. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's that's kind of neat to be able to say that, that we are a, you know, we are a majority elected, um, you know, our, our governing body is majority elected. Um, and the other two, the the, ex, the archivist and the exchequer, they still require uh, a majority ICC confirmation once I even when I when I nominate them. So um, there's checks and balances in place. You know, I, I wanted to make sure that the members realize that they do have, you know, it's their, it's their ICC, you know, they, they're the ones that are electing these, these officers for the most part. So, um, or, or ministers. And, and so it's really imperative that the members understand the importance of that. The one thing I will say is it was a little bit disappointing with our first ICC election to have such a, a low turnout. It was a very low turnout. So I'm hoping that, that when the next one comes around in uh, 2023, Four, yeah, 2024. Um, that 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 will that more members will take it seriously. And for for sure, and I, and I think talk starting these discussions like we're we're doing now and highlighting membership the are voted positions and and that continued reminder throughout the years. Uh, I also hope to see a, a larger turnout of members. Yes, and and I would really like to see a a real a very wide swath of of candidates of people who want to run for those positions, because you know if you you can't you don't really have I mean other than being an official member or or even an auxiliary supporter there are certain levels of of stakeholder that you have as those levels of membership, but once you once you you know get up into the ICC. That is kind of the ultimate stakeholder level, and to be able to see what all goes on at that level and to be part of that is really something that you know I think all members who who really care about the club really should want to strive to be part of you know kind of kind of like your civic duty you know 
Yes, managing, that's just, man, that's managing just my the feelings. family. So, yeah, yeah it, it, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, so I, I, I guess from there, Tom, you, you touched on the fact that the administrative cabinet has now been broken out. And, and we've actually expanded the cabinet to now include new roles and new positions. Yes. So we've added the uh, rally master, who is our uh, international events um, lead, basically an events coordinator at, for, the, for the top level, uh, who will help with things like um, celebration when they, when they can, because uh, celebration is, is a, a very big, you know, it's kind of a big deal. Um, they also deal with putting together MercsCon and then helping out with uh, region events. Uh, they deal with the the events Discord server and you know putting together a lot of those international um, virtual events and that kind of thing. So that's a oh and as well as dealing with Lucasfilm and Lucasfilm's events and putting the you know getting that information out to regions and clans as well when Lucasfilm needs uh, you know puts that event info out there. Um, also, we've added the Sigil Master, who is over our art. So before, art, the art team was a team that was kind of split between um, supply and PR. But with the sheer amount of art that we have, it was just it was just impossible to keep them to keep that one team split between two departments. So we decided to break it out into its own department, and the Sigil Master is basically over the art team. Uh, so, and also, any of you official members who are listening to this, if you are, uh, if you've got experience with things like Photoshop and Illustrator, the art team can always use your uh, use your help. They're always looking for is the big one. Yeah, it really is. is definitely the big one. It's yeah. you know, keeping people on the art team because they have such a a such a high operational tempo. It's just it's really difficult to keep people mm-hmm. on the art team, and because they just they work so hard, they really do. Uh, they do. I have to commend them for that. Um, for for anyone listening and hearing that that might be perturbed by it, though, by virtue of having more members join the team, that would actually work. bring it down. Yeah, I spent 18 months on the team as the workflow manager. Um, and I have to say, pre-COVID, um, it was busy. And then it's now started picking up again. Um, and the, And the workload can be well managed. Um, just just needs a bit more support um, from members who have that experience, um, and and if you've got it and you're interested, I think the the sigil master is the definitely the person to contact. Absolutely, and and for anyone else listening, I th- I think I can speak on behalf of the majority of the cabinet here and say, if there's a role that you think interests you or the volunteering for the club that you want to do, just reach out. Uh, don't necessarily wait to see job adverts. There was a, a, a good post put up a few years ago about just this. Um, and I think a, a little reminder and refresher area so often is, is good good to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And confirm. Like it's you often, especially in volunteer organizations like this, sometimes people don't necessarily realize that they need help or they do know they need help but they don't have the time to reach out for help so having somebody step in and say hey i've got some free time and this set of skills can i help is so helpful 
Absolutely. <laughs> I think that's a critical Absolutely. thing to remember that everyone who now clears and joins the club and goes through this process is fully supported by a huge number of people behind the scenes with the Rustador teams, the app team, the PR team that have brought them here, possibly the tech team that keep the forums and the website running. It's There is a, so much behind the scenes that people don't see if they're just focusing on their clearance. And I think people need to be more aware of that sometimes. And we apologise to the teams that Jaren didn't mention, but we know you're there and we love you for doing the job you do. Absolutely. Yeah, I can't list them all. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of teams. There is, there is there a is. spot for everybody if you're yeah. interested in helping. Even just your local clan leadership, I can say in Wampa's case, uh, I would love someone to hop in <laughs> and just join the local leadership team. Um, I know that's not always the case with every clan, but sometimes it is. Um, if you if any you want to help out at any level of this club, uh, people are happy to have you help. Well, and sometimes it starts at the local level. I mean, it starts at that, you know, getting involved at the local level and just getting your feet wet there and then um, seeing what needs lie above that and, and moving upward. I will say that, you know, and, and I keep using COVID because it was such a, it, you know, it has redefined a lot of things in not just the Mercs, but in a lot of the, the costume clubs, period. Um, but, you know, with COVID and, and just the 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 apathy that COVID created because people had to worry more about their real lives than anything else. Um, you know, that's been, I think, I think, well, I hope that coming out of COVID like we are, or at least, you know, COVID becoming an endemic thing and, and us learning to live with it, well, it gets people back to, it gets their energy back to um, come back to what life was sort of like before. And that, I think that's been just so difficult for people to, um, you know, because we, we had to change. And, and now it's like now we're trying to change back to the way that things were in our lives. And humans are not creatures of change. You know, we don't do change well. And um, that's a lot of change in two years. That's more change than what most of the generations below, you know, younger or older than us. Uh, ever saw in their lifetimes so that is that's it's just a lot and for people to get involved again in things like club leadership in clan leadership in admin teams and that kind of stuff you know it it does take time for people to get that passion and energy back so hopefully seeing sure. members out there doing events again and invasions it's going to build people's energy back up so yep i, I can speak personally to the fact that having served at local local leadership for a number of years and and we'll also say to people there's there can be a hesitation at wanting to take a role in fear of doing a role badly and what i will say is jump in with both feet um alternatively speak speak to your local leadership regardless um, about future intentions i, I know in the voc chi we have, we have at times um run what i'll say is like little educational sessions to try and um, show what the roles actually involve. What is it we're doing for you as members in the hope that maybe it sort of sparks with newer membership thinking, yeah, that is something I could do. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, with your position, Thomas Mandalore, that we, we are always in need of successes at local leadership level. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think this year we've brought on three three brand new Rusalor to work underneath our Rusalor Salish. And, and and again, that's a progression route, isn't it? Because you yes, you, you build up your knowledge on 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 the build front, and then as the Rissalor Salish moves on through whatever means, then you've got other members behind that can still pick up and and take those roles on. We've implemented for the first time the Rukaber position position, so we've got a morale officer in club now in clan rather. Rukaber has been around in club for a little while. So there's different roles that can be done, definitely different roles that can be done. <laughs> and Vokchi at the moment, if you're listening, I definitely need volunteers. <laughs> but but for other reasons. Indeed, we shall get to later. <laughs> uh, so, so Tom, just, just to finish off our discussions on the admin cabinet here, so I, I think there's a, there's a third position we've not yet touched on that's also been implemented in recent times. Oh, yes, yes, the adjutant general, yes. I'm, yes. I'm glad to hear you pronounce it to hear it because it's one of those roles that I've, I've only ever seen written. Oh, really? You've never had? Yeah, adjutant general. Yep, that's uh, that is basically the HR. That's the HR person for for Mercs. Um, and they've already been. Uh, Larry has already been extremely busy. Uh, he's been busy with the diversity panel. I know they're working on some really cool educational packets to put out there in the in the uh, the War College. Um, so he hit the ground running and, uh, it's been a, it's, it's really been refreshing The the AG jobs actually been around since 2020, uh, or maybe late 2019, but, uh, COVID, you know, COVID came and, uh, the person that was in the job, the job was, a was an appointed role, um, that I, that I appointed at the time and COVID just, just hit bad and, um, you know, it, it really affected if affected people. So, um, so we we I, I basically turned it into a an administrative cabinet position at that point and made it a um, a nominated and and um, uh, confirmed role. So, uh, so I think we you know I think it's 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 a great position. Uh, like I said, Larry's you know he's jumped in with both feet and he's doing it and um, really proud to see where it's going. So I can't really I can't really complain about anybody. Uh, that has uh, uh, any of the new roles or any of the current roles, really. I can't really complain about what's going on in the IC in the in the um, the cabinet. Uh, everybody's doing doing well and doing their jobs and getting stuff done, and we're moving forward and lots of new things coming out, and that's what that's what they're supposed to be doing. So. And and I think fifteen years in, if if that's where you can say you are, I think it's a fantastic place to be, Tom. I don't disagree with that. And, and, you know, nothing, nothing is, nothing happens without, you know, without having issues. There's always bumps along the way, but you learn from those and you, you try to keep the ship in deep water and, and, and you don't want to run aground. And, uh, and that's kind of where, where I go with it. I mean, you know, I'm, I am a lot more patient these days than I was when I was younger and, and first starting this thing. And, uh, people probably tell me I'm far too patient, but, um, you know, you have to learn to, you have to learn first to delegate and then second to, to listen. And if you can do those two things, then you're probably going to do okay. So I, I think then, Tom, just to, to round up on the 15 years we've had then, is there anything you, you hope for in either the, the short term or across the next 15 years, uh, aside from the club continuing to grow? Oh, gosh, that is, 
that is such a loaded question because people it always is such a loaded question. It and is. I knew it when I started it, but it well, was fun it, to ask regardless. It, it's like that question that people tend to ask or have asked in the past. Do you think Merck's Merck's uh, was going to be what it is now? And I'm like, I mean, you know, nobody's. I mean, I don't have a one nine hundred number and do do tarot readings, so I I can't really, you know, I I can't say yes to that. Nobody ever thinks that what they do is going to be successful. I think that you tr- you strive for success and you you strive to make the things that you're passionate about successful. And that is what I always wish for MMCC that MMCC is always successful in what we do and and I, I you know I want us to continue to um continue to have the best Mandalorian costumes in the world. I want us to continue to be able to help people in need. Um, I want us to be able to expand what we do in the club. Uh, you know, we we are actually our uh, in the U.S. our ch- our nonprofit designation changed to what it was supposed to be, um, which is a C10, which is basically a fraternal organization. So we're we're more akin to what the Masons are at this point than we are to um, a a hobby club. So I guess maybe that means we can start taking over the world now, right? Isn't that what that means? You know, we can, you know. <laughs> I didn't realize we'd gone through a, through a, a designation change. Well, so originally that's what I applied for us to be back in 2012 when I mm-hmm. applied for us to be a, a nonprofit here in the U.S. And they issued us a letter as a C4 instead of a C10, which the C10 is a domestic fraternity and a C4 is a social welfare slash civic organization. So okay. that was the uh, that was the mistake of the IRS. They assigned us the wrong designation. Uh, go figure. And so they nobody ever caught it until we went to file taxes this year electronically for the first time, and it kicked it back, saying, you know, we're that's not the designation we're, we're we are. And so I had to, you know, make a phone call, and I'm like, and they're like, oh, you need to speak to the people in the back of the house, and I'm like, in tax law, and I'm like, oh, great, why am I talking to people in tax law? What the heck is going on? And so, you know, you start sweating a little bit at that point. I'm like, oh, are the the guys in the suits going to come and get me now? And so, um, no, technically been doing this wrong for like yeah, seven years. Exactly, you know. So <laughs> I talked to the guy back there, and he's like, "Well, I see on the IRS site they gave you a letter. There's like three of the same letter here for some reason, and it's all saying that you're a C4, but you're a C10." I'm like, "Okay, that's the same problem I'm seeing." So anyway, I wrote a letter and did all the stuff that he told me to do. Still have not heard back, and that's been since end of February. So I'm gonna have to make some more calls and. We're going to have to figure out how to get somebody on the phone to tell us what, what's going on. But other than that, I mean, you know, we got a new – we got a, a a letter that says that we are a C-10. It's not the determination letter, but it's the next best thing. And um, anyway, so I, I really want us to take that and run with it. I mean I'm, I'm thinking about already like how can we – I'm looking at our social societies. You know, we've done – we've had these social societies for for years and years. Mm-hmm. How can we incorporate those, some of those, into a more official thing in Mercs? Because if you look at a lot of these fraternal organizations, they have, they have these other groups within them. You know, like I'll use the Masons for example, because I used to be a Mason. I'm still a Mason. You're you're never not a Mason unless you choose not to be. Um, you know, they have like York Rite and they have Scottish Rite and they have the Shriners and all that stuff. How can we work something like that into Mercs to, you know, to to help the club diversify into something that 
might attract more members or could be more attractful to current members. I mean, it's a, there's a potential there to break the club out into some new ways. And I really think that that's kind of an untapped thing that we really need to look at. I, I think you may have just inadvertently answered, what's the next 15 years? There you go. <laughs> Mando rights, baby. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know about everyone else, but I, I have thoroughly enjoyed going back over some club history with you, Tom. So Absolutely. thank you for that. And I hope the sure. listeners get that same enjoyment come across. Yeah, thank you, Tom. At least it's not, you know, if you if you tuned into the and I'm not embarrassed to talk about it, but if you tuned into the first international meet and greet that we did, somebody wanted to they brought up wanting to hear the uh, what I call the creation story, which how Merck started and and all that stuff. And and I actually got pretty emotional in there. I mean, because you have this these 15 years just sort of wash upon you and all these memories and all these people and. And all these, you know, and all the stuff that that has gone on, you know, people have gotten married because of Mercs, you know, in fact, I probably got married because of Mercs, because me and my wife met through, you know, through a Star Wars game. I started the uh, the guild Mandalorian Mercenaries. She was part of the guild. Um, People have had babies. I mean, there's people that are about to have babies now that met because of Mercs. It's hard to think of when you think about it. It's a very difficult thing to wrap your head around that something that came out of my little head did did those things or have has caused those things it's not something that i ever would have imagined you know in my wildest dreams as a, as a young person but i think about it and i'll go back to my youth and you know i was i was the nerdy kid in school i was like the sole trench coat mafia guy in in school in this in backwoods north carolina you know of a, i had a graduating class of like 85 people so that so that wait should... wait wait you mean to tell me that a guy who created an international club of people who dress up as spacemen. Yeah, right. I was a nerd in high school. I was a nerd who dressed up in a trench coat in, in high school, yeah, in the in the early 90s. And so, yeah, and and you know, I I was I will say I was picked on for that, you know. And so if I could go back to my my younger self and say, "Hey, look kid, it's all going to work out, you know, keep doing what you're doing." I would absolutely do that. You he's looking at you you've got three thousand guys coming back with you exactly right we just show up we just show up at, at high school and i'm sitting there you know and, and i just i'll just give myself a thumbs up and then we can all just turn around and walk away that's it just the terminator thumbs up we're all in kit and we can depart but yeah that's you know it's it's really it's just interesting to go back and look at all that so so here, here's an interesting question then for you what is the largest number of mercs in armor you've been part of oh gosh that is probably going to be i would say that's probably celebration orlando 2017 that, mm-hmm. that is the photo yeah. that i immediately think of when, when yeah. you ask that question because i want to say was that yeah. was a lot and that was that was pre-pandemic mandalorian had come out or was announced anyway like Yes. Plus, Orlando tends to have the biggest celebrations because there's so much to do in Orlando. Mm-hmm. It's and it's also a little bit less expensive than Anaheim, so people tend to there just tends to be a lot more people at Orlando than Anaheim. So I, I must admit, as an international traveler, Orlando does have a bigger pool. Oh, absolutely. Anaheim. I'd love to go out to Anaheim. I mean, um, Disneyland's great, but it's tiny. Disneyland, like the whole of Disneyland. And I'm talking Disneyland, Galaxy's Edge, and California Dreamin' would pretty much fit in the parking lot of Disney World. Wow. Exactly. Yeah. 
So if you're coming in from from out of town, why? I'm not saying that that's bad out there. No, if you get a chance to go see it, you absolutely should. But is it a bucket list thing? I mean, maybe if you're an avid Disney fan, but Disney World is definitely, Orlando's definitely the place to go because there's just so much. And there's so much close by outside of just Disney World. So those tend to garner the most Mercs members. And yes, 2017, I want to say we had either right at or just over 200 members in that picture. And there were some members that didn't even make it in time for the picture, unfortunately. It was like a handful maybe. but um, I, I can personally attest to Orlando having that pull for the, for the first Mercs con. Yes, it was, absolutely. It was really one of the selling points for me. Um, yes. Because the group that I travelled with, we, we did that first four-day event followed by two two weeks of non-stop 14-hour days in Orlando because there yes. is just that much to do. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. And 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 I would say, too, that, that Celebration Anaheim was probably around – I would say we probably had around the same amount, if not maybe slightly more, but I would say probably more close to the same amount of, of Mercs that we had in Chicago. Um, there are several that are not in the picture, and most of those are cabinet officers because – they were running the show. I mean, very few yeah. cabinet officers actually were able to get kitted up and get in the pick, yeah. unfortunately. Or back at the booth or what have or, you. Or they were organizing the photo and the death march and all that stuff. So there was, you know, I, th- I want to say we probably had about 10 members who were not able to get kitted up to be in the photo. Mm-hmm. So so here's, here's one for you, Tom, talking about the, the things that you've got to experience over the years uh, as an opportunity to segue into some Star Wars news about Celebration. I, I believe you had the honor of officiating something at Celebration this year. Yes, yes. I officiated the first, uh, I guess, first at Celebration, uh, uh, quote-unquote traditional Mandalorian wedding. That was that was pretty awesome. We had a great time with that. And it was a huge audience. I mean, we filled up. We were like, not only did we fill up the chairs, we absolutely had over 100 people there in just standing there and, and sitting there in chairs. Which, which I think is something we didn't get to realise on social media. Yeah, I, I, I appreciated the club coverage of, of being able to keep going with things. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah the it, club coverage was focused on the ceremony. Yes, beautiful, but not yes. the not the grandeur of the room. Yeah, yeah, and and honestly, without without Donald coming up and literally standing on stage and and showing you know having the phone out there. When when they did the Oya at the end, you could you could hear it in. I mean, that was in like Hall B, you know. The fan the fan area was in Hall D, two halls away. You could hear it there. I had people telling me that we just heard, shows the power of a man. Yeah, we heard the Oya from from all the way over two halls over. So, but it was great, and I actually I wrote that ceremony up and I made it into a PDF. I'm gonna put it on the I'm gonna put it on the forums. I'll probably put it in the War College. So if anybody wants to have a Mandalorian wedding. We have a clan wedding in September. So that, that, that would be an interesting one. There you go. There you go. So. No, that's, that's fantastic. So speak, speaking of celebration, I think we've got a, a gluttony of star Wars news. That's, that's come out of, out of there that we can talk about. Oh yes. So I, I think the biggest thing that we, we probably should start off with is a, a certain panel hosted by a couple of gents who brought some of their friends out on stage. That so, really narrows it down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there 
There was there was some there was some gentlemen on stage at celebration with friends. My goodness, <laughs> some people did some things on stage at celebration. Uh, and which stage? <laughs> well, let's let's face it. Sorry, are, Nick. As as Tom put it, a pretty niche club. What yeah, else are we yeah. going to be wanting to go after? Yeah. Um, yes. So I understand that the the people lucky enough to get into the I think it may have been on the Saturday. For Dave, Dave Filoni and, and John Favreau talking about upcoming projects, most excitedly for me, Mandalorian Season 3. Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I understand that the, the guests that were there were lucky enough to see some extended footage that hasn't been released publicly uh, by either Disney or Lucasfilm. Um, so I've, I've heard murmurs from, from friends that were there. At this which, point, I'm going to stick my fingers in my ears. Uh, no, I was, I, was, I was just about to say, which we won't go into. Yeah, because we, we don't really know. We can infer from the guests that they brought out on stage. So, shock horror. Pedro came out. Pedro's back, apparently. That's weird. That's a choice. <laughs> um, and and what, what I quite liked about that is... is it's it's been quite open that he has two two different lack of better terms stunt doubles that he works with, um, and I thought it's quite a, t- a touching moment bringing them out with him to share with him that stage that experience and that fan event. Yeah, given that they are so much part of the character, that was that was a nice touch, mm. especially because yeah, stuntmen and doubles. And- you know mm-hmm. things like that. Uh, they just don't get any recognition, despite mm-hmm. how they're in some of the biggest, craziest scenes that we always remember. Yeah, yeah, they get their name in the credits, and that's about it. They don't mm-hmm. get a yeah. whole lot of of accolades beyond that. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was very nice of him to do. And who else did we see? Uh, Katie Sackhoff back as Bo. So it's, it'll be interesting to see what arc they've they've written in there, because there was I mean, there was the whole contention over the dark saber last we saw. I mean, I hope, and I have no basis for this. I have no no foreknowledge of what they're doing or anything like that. I actually didn't watch any of the anything. Uh, so I hope that they're gonna finally at least start the whole liberation of Mandalore story that we've never seen um, in any form in the old canon, new canon, what have you. Uh, I hope they finally get that ball rolling. Well, given yeah. what was touched on in Book of Boba Fett yeah. with with um, episode, sorry, season 2.5 in episodes, what, 5 and <laughs> yeah. 6? Yeah, 2.5, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and the alluded to arc from um the armorer yeah I, I wouldn't be surprised if we did see that and and i think honestly that's probably going to be the biggest moment that i'm looking forward to i agree i agree on all fronts i'm pretty sure that that's it. I, I would say that's the the bet should be on that's what's going to happen for mm. the majority of season three or that's going to be the the main arc of season three oh fantastic it it would be and hopefully would would give us an, a fresh opportunity post post covid events back 
to recapitalize on on what momentum that might generate for us. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what kind so, of new what kind of new costumes that might you know what kind of new armor types that might bring as well? Oh, because yeah. it absolutely yeah. could. If you're going to do the liberation of Mandalore, you're going to need more than six Mandalorians, you know? Absolutely. Well, you, you, you potentially, you've got flashback armors. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah absolutely. I, like Disney, like I know we've said this for years, but if you need extras and you're listening, um, I know some guys. Yeah. Wouldn't that be cool? I would just be more excited <laughs> if they're listening. <laughs> we, given that the, uh, the Darksaber is taking center stage again, we might even finally see some decent references for Tari Vizsla. Yeah, that's true. That could be fun. Yeah. yeah. If we need to see the statue, if we need to see the statue, if that's still there. If it survived. Yeah. Oh, if not, in flashback, definitely. Yeah, what did you want to see? Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing some more non-armoured costumes. Sure, yeah. Trooping Uh, in soft costumes would be great. (laughs) Uh, yeah, as as a, as a support officer or a handler or one of those more mobile jobs, it, it would be fantastic to have more references of costumes with more mobility. Is I think the way I'll, I'll phrase this. Um, sure. I I love I love my kit. I love being out in my kit, and I love when I can find a high by a high stool that I can lean against for some comfort. <laughs> See, I've. Like this is, this is certainly not to make fun, but I have every kit that I've made for the Mercs, and I'm on my fifth-ish one at this point. Uh, fifth version. I have always made it so I can sit. <laughs> yeah. My next kit that is very high priority list. Yeah. Um, I'm especially jealous of uh, one of our ex Rusalors who, in a full metal kit, can barrel roll. Ooh. Not, no, only can she, not, only can, not only can she barrel roll, she can do the crab. Uh, yes, that that is the level of mobility she's ensured in her costume. Yes. That's, that's and we've witnessed that at events in the middle of a con hall. <laughs> <laughs> in metal armour. With, with Leku. It's it's totally doable. It's totally doable. That's, yep, if you build it right, it's... yeah. Yeah, it's her sitting on the floor cross-legged that gets me. That's as far as it goes. The rest of the stuff blows my mind, but the fact that she can sit on the floor cross-legged. And get up unassisted. Yeah, it's like, no. What is this witchcraft? (laughs) That's why Kit 2 has been made in a different format. (laughs) So so just pulling back to the the panel for a moment, I think the, the other highlight for me is, two highlights really, um, I'm led to believe the panel also got to see some sneak peeks of the Ahsoka series, even being three weeks into filming at the time. They managed to get some clips together to show. Because yeah, it was actually a day off from filming for that panel, wasn't it? Yes. yes. They were filming the day before and the day after. Oh. All right. Well, that's, I guess that's handy with it being in Anaheim. Yeah. Yep. yeah in fact that was one of the reasons i mean that's pretty much the reason why dave wasn't able to make it to the mercs dinner was because they were having an executive dinner that night um of the you know before filming the next day so so is dave a regular feature for mercs dinners he is his wife his his wife Anne came out and spent the entire time with us um 
because she's just awesome too. But yeah, normally they both come and uh, come out to dinner and and just have a really good time with us at celebrations. And I'm hoping that that happens at at London. Um, in fact, it's probably far more of a uh, of a possibility since they're likely not going to be filming while they're there. That's true. So um, that's kind of my my hope is that uh, they're so able. So what you're to... telling me is up my game. Yeah. Well, you know, we the place. <laughs> hey, look, the place we went to the that the I I don't know if you guys were were uh, around in uh, 2016, but we took them to the the place we had the dinner at. There was just you know where everybody ordered a meal. It was I can't remember the name of it. It was kind of like a barbecue place or something. Uh huh. At least that's what they called it. That's what you guys called it, barbecue. It ain't like it ain't like my barbecue here in in North Carolina. I, I can assure you, Tom, that was not a barbecue place. Well, I mean, it, uh, there was barbecue there or something. I don't know. It smelled like barbecue. Uh, it's, prob- it's probably the sauce that they were calling barbecue. Yes, yeah. there you go. But anyway, I can assure you, they took Dave Filoni to the pub. Yeah, that's fine. yeah, basically proper yeah, that's British what, pub. Yeah, that's probably what it was. It was good though. It was good, and they had a great time too. But. Uh, no, I mean that's yeah, that's always been a highlight of of celebrations, getting to you know getting to see Dave and Ann at dinner and just treating them out to a nice meal. So, Let's speak speaking of celebrations, then as as we've mentioned it a few times now, at the closing ceremony, it's coming it's coming home. Oh, <laughs> yeah, to, well, it's coming to your home. Yes, don't don't start any football songs. <laughs> it's coming to a home near you. How about that? <laughs> it's, it's coming back to Europe, and we just happen to be the host clan. Yes, for a second time. Yeah. Actually, for a third time. Third time. Third, third time. time's a charm, right? Third time's yeah. a charm. And this will be my third celebration. My first celebration was oh seven. Um, second celebration was 16, which is when I first met the Mercs. And now as my third celebration, I'll be there as potentially one of the clan officers still. Yeah. Gosh, that's, and that's, uh, it's going to be, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, look, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to, to going back to London. I loved it when we were there. I mean, we didn't, obviously we don't get a lot of time off. We did get a day to go see some stuff. And it was awesome. We had a great time. It's a beautiful. T- I mean, from what I experienced, it was. It's a beautiful city. Um, it's a very old city. I love being able to see history. I'm a huge history buff. Alicia loves European history and European architecture, so she loved it. We really had a good time. She wanted to go to the museum. We weren't able to go, but uh, almost got run over by a by a uh, one of those double decker buses. That happens um, all the time in London. That's London. Yeah. You, I mean, you can't stand too close to the street corner. I mean, you better yeah. be like, you need to be like a good four or five feet away from the street corner because those buses. Oh, they, just, they come right to the edge of the curbs. Yeah. They absolutely do. I felt, I felt the, the, the mirror, the rearview mirror, like <laughs> brushed by my nose. I could literally feel the wind just like, I'm like, oh my God, I almost died. And, uh, and they're yeah, not, London. I mean, they don't, they don't use the brakes either, I don't think. No, London, bu- London, London buses are a rule unto themselves. It's kind of like that bus from what, what the isn't it like the third or fourth Harry Potter movie? The night bus. Yeah, yeah the night. It's like the night bus, and they basically go that fast, and they turn at ninety degree angles like that. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what my experience was. This is very frightening. Uh, well, I know you and I have spoken about possible downtime, so that that that's fine. We can we can sort of smooth the drive for you. It'll be <laughs> fun. Would- 
I would love to go. Like I've I've always wanted to go to Europe. I've always wanted to to go to the UK and London. Uh, it's just my <laughs> they did this to us uh, last time too in Chicago with the original date for um, Celebration Anaheim too was they have a habit of now announcing these less than a calendar year ahead. <laughs> They're yeah. like, yep, we're going to announce the next one 11 months ahead. Start the, saving. The, the fu- yeah, the fun one is it's Easter weekend. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I think given you- how fast the hotels got booked out, it's going to be well, very lucky for people to actually get spaces nearby now. Oh, see, I'm, I, I made the sensible are- thing. I booked I will two say hotels. That- yeah. There are a lot of Airbnbs um, that are close to train stations. Yeah, I did. I looked up. I looked that up for uh, the the people that you know that stayed in the house with us at Anaheim, mm-hmm. um, and gave them several options. There are a lot of that are that are really close to the. I and mean, as long as you're close to the train tr- station, then fine. you're you're fine. Because the great Do- thing Dockland's about London's light railway is the big one to to look for. Yeah, it's the, London is great about transportation. I will have I do I do give it that when it comes to, to ground transportation I mean really I, I've I don't know of any place that's that's better I mean there once you master the tube schedule um you know which which can be a little daunting at first um I remember when we went um we had basically been on the airplane for 24 hours um and uh, we were pretty tired and we got there uh, by the time we got out of the airport, it was around f- maybe four, four thirty, so right around rush hour. Mm-hmm. And we were hauling six bags of luggage. I don't know what what we're supposed to get on as far as the tube, so I just told Lisa, "I like, just jump on something when the door opens." We're pulling all these bags. <laughs> we're pulling all these bags into the tube with us. Everybody's giving us the stink eye because you know we're like all these bags and all these people are smushed together and. Uh, we made it out. Of course, we were kind of lost on the tube for maybe an hour trying to figure out where we needed to go. And <laughs> and I got to the canning I got to the Canning Town um, station, which was literally like the station right before the Excel Center. Yeah. And I I called uh, I called Naabi, and I'm like, if I said if if we can't get this next train, somebody's gonna have to come get us because I just don't have the mental power to get on another train or figure this map out anymore. I, I don't, I don't have enough sleep. I'm done. You know, we're just going to sit here and it's our it started raining and it was cold in June or July. It was July cold and rainy in July for us is like, you know, we're freezing to death. We didn't wear That's coats. normal. Hey. <laughs> I mean, we just came from 90 degrees and 70% humidity. It's like, my gosh, it's crazy. You literally just described the British summer. Yeah. British, I mean, we, we get one one week of good weather for British summer. Two it's if we're lucky. Spread, it's just spread across six physical weeks. Oh. Well, so what was funny was it actually was rainy and cold when we got there, but then it got like into the 80s and actually started getting kind of hot by the time the weekend rolled around. And it was apparently there was like a little mini heat wave that kind of rolled. We through. got really lucky with the weather that weekend. It, it yes. was beautiful for some Yes. So my question is, and maybe this is giving people a heads up for those that are coming across the pond to see you guys for celebration. What's the weather going to be like on Easter weekend? Do I need to like throw a? Do I need to throw like an Arctic level coat oh, in my put bag? It, put it this way: we we've had Easter's here where we've had foot deep snow, snow, 
Yeah. And we've had Easter's here where we've had 28 degrees Celsius. So it's kind of like my weather back home. Yeah. Just like here. Okay. Yeah. We had snow on Easter and we've had, you know, like 80 <laughs> degrees on Easter. So. Uh, I, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if you've had foot deep snow down. There. Not foot deep snow. No, no. More like, <laughs> like maybe like two inches of snow. Maybe that's it's, enough it's, to grind the UK to a halt. But but yeah. that's a foot. No, that's, that's that. enough to grind North Carolina to a halt. Absolutely, that's like a foot for us. <laughs> two two inches might as well be a foot. But yeah, I mean that's that's something that people will need to prepare for because yeah. depending on what part of the world you're coming from, um, you're not going to be prepared for that weather. Uh, I, I'll tell you firsthand. We are, you, we are a humid climate. Yes. And I, I would guess for April, 12 to 15 Celsius Which is probably not a bad guess. What is that in real world degrees? <laughs> <laughs> What's that in America degrees? <laughs> Let's see. That is, that's that's mid-60. Yeah, mid-50s. Oh yeah, 50s for, that, for those of us yeah. over here that's on the cool. Fahrenheit scale. Yeah, that's cool. You know, <laughs> which depending if you're coming from Alaska might be quite warm, but if you're coming from oh, California, you're going to want a jacket. Oh yeah, or if you're coming from the yeah, if you're coming from the southeast or the or the west, I would say the the from California down southwest, uh, that will definitely be cold. You will definitely yeah. need a jacket because it's a damp cold also. So it's like yes. bone chillingly yes. cold. It's not yeah. like cold with a wind blowing it's cold the wind blows and it's damp it's like the, th- the trifecta of woe well the xl is literally right on the thames and it is oh, the, yes. the, the tidal thames so you do get the wind coming in from so well, it's not quite the north sea but it's you do get it coming in yeah absolutely absolutely but one thing i will make sure that i do in the weeks leading up to it is i'll make sure i put a weather report up so people know what they're coming to please oh thank but, you so much but I, I am looking forward room. to welcoming any om who wants to come and join us uh yes i will back that up as well um i'll I back will it up say too. that it is known as april showers yep oh yeah april april showers bring may flowers you're Sometimes describing, you're describing this weather like it's so awful, but it's that's. <laughs> yeah, for you, that's it. yeah, for you, it's like going home. For you, it's yeah, basically like, like walking to the neighbor's house. Well, well, we're, it it's about the same. It's yeah, it's about yeah, the like, same long uh, latitude around. Yes, the country. Well, you're, you're you're a bit higher up than I am, mm-hmm. but it's a very similar client climate because they're both you know the North Atlantic yeah. currents. Yeah, you just get it later than we do. Yes. So it's yep. the same weather, even though we're a little bit south here. Ah, so we can blame you. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know the Brits love to complain. So oh, yeah. And now, I, now I know who to blame. <laughs> yes. Complaining, queuing, or complaining about queuing. So yeah, is historical is the, pastime. I'm expecting the line management at the Excel Center to be top notch. You know, with how much the Britons love queuing. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, 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 I'm. Um, I've, I've put some proposal plans to to Tom already for for displays and that side of things. And in my plans, I've got queue management, haven't I, Tom? <laughs> yes, which is great because that wasn't that's that's never a thing in the fan areas. In um, it's what we do. It, so it was actually funny because so Ken went around to to the various fan displays that were like having real people. Travel you know, like foot traffic management issues and put tape on the floor and made queue lines with tape on the floor for for us and for like the 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 um 
the Emperor's Throne Room. That one was by far one of the more that that one was probably the single most popular photo op out of the fan area was the the Emperor's Throne Room. It always um, is. Yes. So he made a you know he he did he did a really good job putting together some uh, foot traffic management tape on the floor and it really helped. It was a huge help. Yeah, we'll um we'll work something out. <laughs> so just while we're on the subject, any OM that is listening, that is thinking about coming or, or wants more information to consider coming, uh, please feel free to reach out to me and I'm going to voluntold him to Kerr as well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> T-A-K-U-R on the forum, that's me. At Failing Witch, just come into the Vokchi forum and start making posts and asking questions. Yep. We've well, got well, a thread yeah. there for celebration. Come join in. We'd love to love to see as many people as we can get here. It'll be a jolly good time, and we'll definitely work on Tom's accent between now and then. <laughs> jolly good time. I don't, I don't think that's. I don't think you're going to make much progress there. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to get rid of the southern, unfortunately. No, no, we'll, we'll we'll just have you watching Mary Poppins and Rex Harrison on repeat. Uh. I don't want to feed the birds tuppins. <laughs> okay, it's, I need all the tuppins for myself. So. <laughs> My fair lady, that's the one we need to get you watching. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, fun just, times. just good old movies. <laughs> good times. Absolutely. So, a, b- a bit more Star Wars news, a bit more Star Wars discussion. Uh, not not going to deep dive into what's occurred, but are we all watching Kenobi? Absolutely. Oh yes, yep. absolutely. Yep, love it. I, I I have been enjoying it. I have some notes <laughs> about what I would <laughs> like to see changed, but I am enjoying it overall. I I like the direction that the show's going. I like how they're treating the Kenobi character, um, and I, I'm looking forward to the next episode. I think you've just found our monthly topic for next month, Crow. Excellent. So I shall continue <laughs> making some notes myself for that. <laughs> hey, and you never know, we might have expanded news on it by then. Yeah, hopefully. I yes, I, I did see official news source say that it is the largest opening episode of any Disney Plus content. Well, it's been... I would say next to the Book of Boba, it was probably the most anticipated project that Star Wars has had. Quite like yeah, Um, yeah. It's it's one that definitely brings in all areas of the fandom, not just our niche little area of the fandom. Not the Book of Boba Fett was niche by any chance, but yeah, compared to the Mandalorian, no. Um, Even though once you started watching. It was like, okay, well, I guess I need to do go back and watch season one and two of The Mandalorian to figure out what's happening. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the Book of Boba Fett has launched a few new characters for people to interact with at Galaxy's Edge if they can find them. Uh, that's the catch. Yeah, See, I, think, I think in their own press release, they, they describe them as skul- skulking around in that un- underworld intent. I was going to be making a trip out to the West Coast to Anaheim this fall, but those plans have likely changed back to Chicago. I need Disney to just go ahead and open up a park in Chicago. Right? We need a we need a Midwest Disney. Yeah, we need a we need a Northern Midwest. Don't worry about the fact that it's you know 
the Midwest and it snows six months out of the year. Ignore that. Ignore that little detail. (laughs) (laughs) I I was seeing with the Kenobi rumor mill, and this is now from from non-official sources, and by that I mean nothing from Disney, because we wouldn't get it confirmed either way, uh, murmurs that due to unprecedented demand, a second season may now be in the works, which Ooh. may have caused episode six to need re-editing to allow for a second season. See, I, think we did, I don't. We did. Sorry, the, we did see from um, the uh, video of Hugh McGregor on stage when he uh, said to the fans, "Look, I look forward to, to watching episodes one to six, and then carried on to say seven, eight, nine, and ten. And it was hard to tell so whether yes, that he was may just have let it slip or." Yeah. Well, I was gonna say, like it's 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 more than six episodes, right? I honestly haven't no, it's looked only it up. Six episodes. Oh, okay. It was intended as a limited series. It's even mm. got in the very in limited. The, um, the adverts that are still running on Disney Plus for it still says a limited series experience across them. Well, I mean, they they say the same sort of thing for the the Marvel shows as well, with the exception of um, Loki. Like they, Loki's the only one that they've had any intention of making a season two for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what gets me about uh, their the unprecedented demand, I'm like, it, I don't, I don't see how they didn't see this coming. Yeah, I mean, it's Obi Wan for gosh sakes, and it's you. That's a marketing phrase. That, yeah. That's that's nothing but a marketing phrase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's tease you with one series, but actually, we've got plans for more. Yeah. The giveaway is always um, when it comes to award seasons. What categories are they in? Oh, sure. Yeah. Because that will, mm. will really dictate whether they are doing more series or not. I mean, you're talking about award season. Book of Boba Fett has had, it's been put in for pretty much every category it possibly can be, <laughs> from what I was reading. So um, that, that'll that be an interesting one. Another one to watch. So but, speak, speaking of Kenobi, John John Williams came back to do the title score for it uh, he hasn't done the composition for the the overall series but I believe he did put a personal request in to come back to give Obi that score because he has scored all of the other hero characters that have had scores now um, and again I believe Celebration attendees were, were treated to being the first in the world to hear it when he lifted the curtain to find a orchestra conveniently there for him to conduct I think that I think one just follows him around all the time. Orchestra in tow, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is yeah Natalie Holt, um, a British composer, was his did the majority of the show, and this is the the first time that a woman has scored a live action Star Wars anything. So that's neat. Absolutely. And and at, at time recording being four episodes in, I have found the music to be on point and immersive oh, and, yeah. and really adding to the atmosphere of what has been happening. Absolutely. 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 I mean it's so, not it's not hard to miss with Star Wars because you have this fantastic John Williams foundation of twenty years of music across the original films. Um, but then, but yeah, I've, I love seeing that the, all of the, the new talent that they're bringing in, um, to supplement and replace John Williams, 
um, is just nailing it every time. And and they're doing it without any attempts of I'm going to say mimicking what he did. They, they've they've clearly got their own their own touch and their own feel on what it is they're doing, but keeping it well within that wheelhouse at times. Yeah, yeah, I think they've 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 taken inspiration from those original scores and then they've made it their own. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think the only other new content we really saw come out of Celebration that I'm looking forward to now is Andor. I think the, yes. the conversation on sound and soundtrack was kind of critical with that trailer as well, just from the the offset of the the ominous kind of beats and the, the music playing throughout that trailer, I think really set that up. Mm. See, and- Andor's an interesting one because Andor is going to be the longest running series of all of them because Andor is typically, I mean, the, the series we've seen so far have typically been six to eight series. Andor, I think, is 12 to 14 episodes. Yeah, they're actually ordering a, a proper season of it. Oh, yeah. Hmm. But it's also, it's, it's also one of the ones that hasn't been filmed on the volume. So they're able to get a little bit more time in different places. So I know that there have been a lot of sets filmed over here in the UK, which has been glorious, keeping up with things. But um, they haven't got the time restriction of the, of the volume as well, because the volume is being used for so much. So it's a lot more practical. So we could see a different feel within Andor. And certainly from the trailer, it certainly looked that way. It's it's funny you mention that that screen technology. There's, there was an article in the past few days, uh, funny, again coming out of celebration, where ILM sort of looked back at the the recent projects and especially that technology, mm-hmm. and spoke about when they when they knew it was going to work. And I believe at the same time, uh, James Cameron was filming the upcoming Avatar release, and they invited him over to come see some footage from, from that first Mandalorian series they were shooting, showed him. Um, and they said the, the moment they caught him and explained what they'd done and his disbelief looking at the monitor, they said that's the moment they knew it was going to work. When, when he, as a filmmaker, knowing that the, the trades, the insides and the outsides, couldn't tell and was blown away by that technology, they went, yep, yeah, we've got this. Let's hope they expand the facilities. Yeah, they need they need about six or seven more of those just to because <laughs> it is it is a fantastic technology and yeah. like I love that they're they're able to use it to supplement you know traditional techniques and shooting on lots and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's and it's just so cool. Let's let's, let's be honest. It's just really cool. Oh. <laughs> I was chatting with a couple of the Fanthatrax team because after celebration they went out and visited as many of the actual real lots that where they filmed. So Tython, they went for a walk around Tython just to just to try and capture the feel as well. So it, it's a great mix of what they're doing with with the uh, with the volume, and it'll be interesting to see how it translates in the future. But with Andor, Andor is pretty much all been practical sets in fact we've got one retired clan member who's been working on it and one current clan member who may be on screen in a different costume um, as, a, as an extra so um, lots of reasons for us to watch well you, you mentioned there crow about capitalizing on that stagecraft it's it's already been some feature films that have been released and upcoming as well um 
because they've they've built a few more screens around the world. I think uh, Pinewood, California, Australia have them now. So oh, that rec- the recent The Batman, the upcoming Thor: Love and Thunder, and the future Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania have all been taken advantage of this stagecraft technology. So, not the Batman yet. It, yeah, allegedly so. Huh. I wonder for what this like. <laughs> everything was so dark the whole time. <laughs> was... uh, I, I believe for the Batman, they they had a mix of practical and. Uh, stagecraft enhanced like mixed sets oh yeah, yeah. I, lo- I love i love to see it because that was like as much as i enjoyed the prequels especially when i was 12 um they were made during that era of blue screen technology had really evolved and was able to actually work for so much but it was to the point where they used it too much you know like we've talked about it for years that there's this like so much of that movie was not on a set. <laughs> it was just all on one blue screen with a bunch of blue boxes. Uh, I like that we've walked that back. Um, and we're still using blue screen for backgrounds and elements and, and all this sort of stuff. But we're actually doing a lot more stuff in camera now. And now that we have this beautiful half and half of the volume where you can have this digital everything but still have stuff for the actors to see and touch i love where we're at now i'm, I'm glad you brought up the use of those blue boxes um <laughs> ewan mcgregor has recently been interviewed on a, a uk chat show talking about uh, he was specifically asked in in the first episode the creature that he's riding he's, he said was a real camel Oh, nice. Um, and he said, by contrast, when they filmed uh, the end of the prequel trilogy, and he's he's taking Luke to deliver to Ben, um, he said he was quite literally sat on uh, a gym horse. Uh, I don't know if you if there's an American name for that instead. Um, it's the, it's the pommel, pommel, pommel like horse. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, yeah, we call it the same horse. thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he said, yeah, he he was literally sat on sat on this box one way round and had to manually do the bobbing backwards and forwards, imitating, getting there, getting off, handing Luke over. And he said literally just getting back on it the other way around and having the crew carry him back off as he pretends to bob left and right. <laughs> so he yeah, said, yes, it was, it was much better being an actual, actual, actual thing this time. Oh, one of my, it's just one of, that sort of thing is, is exactly what I'm talking about. In, also in, uh, Revenge of the Sith, when he's riding Baga the Lizard and he's chasing Grievous. Um, there's a scene where he gets off the Lizard and he goes to pat the Lizard on the head or something. And you can tell they didn't even give him a box to touch. And he's just kind of patting the air. Yep. And you can just tell. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, because he's an excellent actor, so you know he's not thrilled. <laughs> That this is what he has to do. Well, I think in a worst case scenario, we've probably got a good idea of how to fill space at celebration decoration as well now. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, blue boxes. Exactly. Yeah, if there's a section that you guys can't quite figure out what to do with, spray paint some crates and you're fine. Yeah. I, 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 I promise you. I absolutely promise you that we are going to be on point. Uh. Oh, I'm sure you will. I'm absolutely <laughs> sure you will. All you've got to do is... Just... I, I now have an idea for the Northeast Regional Meetup in September <laughs> for what I can do now. So 
get you some protein, some of that protein powder in the big plastic bins. That's all you need. But take <laughs> yep. the plastic bins and just paint them. Yep. Yeah, to, to be to be honest, <laughs> we'll be keeping the contents because I think we'll need it to get through it. I think so. <laughs> yeah, especially if it's a coffee bin. That's what you really need. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I've, I've had the request. I, 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 I took that as the number one note from the debrief. Coffee machine backstage. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> We're gonna need a barista, a backstage barista. Don't joke. I do know a couple. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, to be fair, he'll be in his Wookiee most of the time. That'd be fun. Wookie making us coffee. Yeah, that would be kind of, you know, that would be kind of interesting. That'd be excellent. (laughs) Wookie coffee. (laughs) You You guys are making me want a mounted backpack. (laughs) (laughs) That would be be excellent. Just, yeah, just a walking coffee dispenser. I was going to say, Lee, whatever happened to your Moroff idea? Because now you're talking about the backpack. That's perfect for all of those tubes. Having spoken to Ian White, who was inside that costume, and knowing the amount of scaffolding that was actually in there to support that, I, I don't know if I could actually carry it. Um, I think just, just clearing the Jigorun would be fun, um, let alone carrying an entire coffee machine as well. <laughs> yeah, there's, 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 there's so much that we can, we can try and incorporate. Sometimes you just have to think it is that too much but yeah it's coffee machine yeah definitely number one on the list actually it'll be the second purchase because i started the first purchase yesterday for um celebration uh, items (laughs) well i look forward to being as surprised as all the other members of what the clan managed to pull off oh absolutely yeah there'll, 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 there'll be no giveaways beforehand I'm looking forward to seeing it. If look, if it's as good as if it's anything, if it's anything like the last time, the last celebration, I I have no doubts that it's going to be amazing. Well, I I think with that, that's the major Star Wars news that I'd noted down coming out of celebration. Yeah, I think that covers pretty much all of it. We'll probably see more once the the proper traders and official content starts to be released for general viewing. Mm-hmm. Oh sure, yeah. I'm super excited to see what the. Uh see and or roll out we've been waiting for that one for a while now and we have done and diego luna while being interviewed for it came out with a fantastic quote of saying that he's really excited for this because he knows he won't die <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah that's see that is i i want to see it and i because I, I like that it's going to be this origin story but that is sort of the only problem that i have with prequels and interquels is you know who makes it <laughs> yeah he said he wasn't walking on set worrying what would happen to him that day <laughs> <laughs> that's funny <laughs> yeah i think that is all we have for this edition of keldabi talk radio it has been fantastic to be back and i hope that you enjoyed the episode uh, thank you for listening on behalf of myself um, I also want to thank uh, Mandalore for hopping on with us. It's always great to have you on the show. Uh, it's always nice to to just inevitably travel down memory lane every time we talk to you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. And so on behalf of myself, the Mandalore, 
Jaren, Takur, and Hikari. Thank you for listening, and please download us next time. This has been a production of the Mandalorian Mercs Costume Club. If you'd like to learn more about the topics discussed on today's show, please visit www.mandalorianmercs.com. The Mandalorian Mercs is a worldwide Star Wars costuming organization comprised of and operated by Star Wars fans. Star Wars, its characters, costumes, and all associated items are intellectual property of Lucasfilm. Copyright 2009 Lucasfilm Limited. We hope you enjoyed our show, and we'd love to hear your feedback. Please email podcast at mercs.firespray.net. Until next time, happy hunting.